Hey, thanks for joining us here on The House Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this message. If you want to learn more about The House, check out our website at welcometothehouse.com or download The House app. Man, come on. That is amazing. What a powerful story. Jeremy and Miranda, that is just absolutely amazing just seeing the work and, and even just knowing y'all for, for the last year. I've just seen what God has done in your life and just the proof of, of who God is. And, and see, the truth is, is actually uh, that I didn't pay them $10 to give me a shout out um, in there, but... Um, um, but it's just amazing seeing the work that God can do because we can come in on, on a Sunday and I can get up here and I, I can talk about how the world would be better off. We'd be better off if we did this or if we did that. And, you know, and, and the truth is I can preach some mean theology, but at the end of the day, it's about seeing lives that are transformed. It's about seeing lives that are changed by Jesus and what only Jesus can do here in this place. And so would y'all just put your hands together here for Jesus here in this place? He's the reason that we are here, and we are glad that y'all are with us today. Well, my name is Adam Clousing, and I'm going to be uh, subbing in, filling in for Pastor Stephen today. Um, one of the most amazing things about Pastor Stephen is that uh, in spite of all the, um, really just the growth that we've seen here at the house in the last year, and, and I'm sure you guys recognize that really just since we've kind of come back from COVID, that God has begun to do kind of a unique thing here at the house and just produce this fruit here that only he can produce. And, and so in spite of all that, that Pastor Stephen is still taking time to go meet with other ministry leaders and empower and encourage them, that he's empowering other ministries and, and actually has an opportunity today to speak um, and encourage, encourage another body of the believers. And so I know, I know we get spoiled with his preaching every single Sunday. This past Sunday, I was actually gone for a little bit. And so I, I had to go back. I, I like listen to the podcast. And then I was like, man, I, I want to watch the live stream too. And so I, believe it or not, like I watched, I watched both of them. Same message, but I watched both of them because I didn't want to miss out on what God is doing here at the house. And so it's easy. It's easy to get spoiled. But let me just tell you guys that, man, as we are focused on what God is doing here at the house, let me just also tell you that we're focused on the big C the capital C church around the world, in the state of Arkansas, at a national level, and, and truly even globally. And so um, when Pastor Stephen's back this next week, y'all make sure to give him some love. Tell him that you missed him. Uh, you know, the Bible says, greet your brother with a holy kiss. So, um, you know, I, I'll just leave that one there for you. No, I'm, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> He'd be up and running out of here saying, get away from me. Um, but today we're going to be kicking off a brand new series that's titled Stories. And I got to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty excited about starting this brand new series. It's something I've been waiting uh, for a while to get into because uh, really at the end of the day, it's about seeing stories. See, Jesus is not this like distant deity of like a, a Marvel, you know, uh, you know, superhero comic book. Like Jesus actually lives and he breathes and he wants to actually transform our lives. And so the only way that that can happen is when we take time to make him the center of our life. And so as we parallel and talk about stories of individuals um, here at the house, I also want you guys to know that we're going to be um, talking about why we as the house exist. Now, spoiler alert, uh, there's a giant white sign there in the foyer um, that Chip and Joanna Gaines would be proud of uh, that will tell you exactly what each message is probably going to be about. And so we'll find out how observant y'all are. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about what it looks like to meet the Father. And so... Um, 
As we get started, uh, no, this is not going to be a sequel to Meet the Parents. And this is uh, talking about our eternal, eternal father. And, and I just think that story of Jeremy and Miranda is just a perfect example of what it truly looks like to step into a relationship with the father and walk in that father-son, father-daughter relationship. And so we're going to be kind of unpacking a little bit about that. And truly, that's why we as the house, the first reason that we exist is to see people meet the Father. Yes, we want to see people accept forgiveness, live free, fuel purpose, but it all begins with meeting the Father. And I recognize it's really easy to go through the motions of, you know, we come into church, we check in, we check out, and man, we go from one thing to the next to the next, and we live these busy lives. But how do we know if we've truly met the Father? Like, what, what does that actually mean at a deeper level? Not just like walking in, you know, giving a handshake, you know, making a, a little LinkedIn connection, getting an Instagram follower. No, actually going a step deeper. And so I want to unpack that a little bit today. And so we're going to jump right into it. So first off, I believe that meeting the Father looks like a life that is transformed. That there's a transformation that happens. There's a shift that happens in our life. Now, we, I, I'm not going to define what that looks like for you. But we break away from just, you know, having this check-in, check-out relationship with God. Of It's very easy to have a segmented life where it's like, man, I got, my, I got my gym vibes. You know, I've been working in the gym. I've been putting some time. And then, and then I go into the kitchen. And I, got my, I got my kitchen vibes. I got my food vibes. I'm stirring something up. You know, then I got my, uh, I got my work vibes because, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in here grinding. I'm putting in the hard work. Oh, and then. And then, then I got, then I got church vibes. Get, give Jesus some Jesus time. But then right back to well, workout vibes, workout vibes. We're going, we're going. And oh, and don't forget, we got to have Netflix vibes somewhere in there, obviously. And, and before we know it, we've gone our entire week and we've never actually created a space for the Father. But here's the deal. God wants to set you free from the lie of the world that God is just an ATM. Where we come in each week and we insert our card and maybe if we're in good standing, Maybe we'll get a couple bucks. You know, maybe if our, if our good days have offset our bad days, maybe, maybe he gives us a little, little dollar here. No, God has so much more in store for us that he actually wants us to step into today. And so first, I, I got to tell you all a little bit about me. Um, this is something I don't know if I've shared with all of y'all. And so um, I, and I don't want to brag or anything, but I've been in the room with, with someone pretty famous before. Now, now this person isn't all that popular in this part of the country, so, you know, it's not that big a deal, but it's, it's kind of a big deal. Um, so, uh, a couple years ago, I was assisting with the uh, social media team which, uh, for the College Football National Championship, which, if anyone uh, knows anything about my social media presence, um, you'll have no idea why I got picked for this. Um, but somehow, I was, uh, I was assisting for the College National Football Championship, and, uh, and in at the media day, the day before the national championship, I was actually in the same room as Nick Saban, believe it or not. Um, I know, like I said, not that popular in this part of the country. And, and I'm believing that this is the year that the Hogs take it back from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Come on, somebody. Um, but yes, Nick Saban, probably one of the greatest football coaches of all time. And I were in the same room at the same time. I know, you guys are just, you guys are just, you know, at a loss for words of how famous I am, obviously. Well, uh, full disclosure, uh, I didn't actually say anything to him. Um, 
actually, full disclosure, I I didn't go up and introduce myself, shake his hand, or anything like that. No, none of that happened at all. Uh, Actually, about the closest that I ever came to him was about 10 feet away as he was swarmed with reporters answering interview questions, and I I could just kind of see him at a distance. And actually, really, all that I can tell you about from our interaction is that he's shorter than he looks on TV. So I know that y'all are just amazed by how famous I am, but I got to ask you a question. If Nick Saban walked into this room today, you know, walked in through those two front doors, and he said, and, and, and just walked in, and, and I looked at him, I'm like, hey, what's up, Nick? Man, how you been? How's the recruiting going? How's life been? Would he have any idea who I am? No, of course not. Absolutely not at all. He'd be like, who are you? Like, where did you come from? Why? Because I've never started any type of friendship with him of any kind. I've never introduced myself to him. I've never met the man. But here's the deal. A lot of times we treat our relationship with God the exact same way. We come into the same room as him. That, you know, that we can come into church every Sunday. That we can set that, that Bible up there on the coffee table looking all neat and pristine. Freshly dusted, not a speck on it. You know, we could even watch a 10-second TikTok sermon, and we could feel real good about our day. But does that mean, does that mean that we have a relationship with the Father? And is this relationship going somewhere? So as we get going here this morning, I think it's very important that when we talk about meeting the Father, it means stepping into a relationship with Him, not just walking in, passing out a business card, feeling good about our day, but instead actually beginning a friendship, a relationship that, it, that goes back and forth between them. And, and that's why we at the house are going to be dedicating every Tuesday during the month of May to May We Pray. And we talked about it in the announcements, and, and I'm just believing that every single month of May that we've had, when we look at the fruit that then comes then after, that it is a proof of only what God can do. See, as we step into this next season of exceedingly in abundant, we recognize that we have no other option but to lean into God for wisdom. If we try to do this thing on our own, man, we're going to jack it up. <laughs> it's going to be a mess. Proverbs even says that pride comes before the fall. But Proverbs 1.7 also says that for the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. Meaning, you can go search the whole wide world for wisdom and understanding and knowledge. You can climb the tallest mountain. You can talk to the most scholarly person that you could think of. But it all begins with the foundation of understanding who the Lord is. So, are we going to be people of pride or are we going to be people of prayer? I don't know about y'all, but I want to choose this option because I know where this one's going to take me. I've been there before when I, when I try to do it on my own power. And so as we, as we step into this season of May We Pray, I know we all have busy schedules, and so i got to share this one liner that I came across with y'all. Um, it, it's by Corey Ten Boom. It says, is prayer the steering wheel of your life or the spare tire? Woo, woo. Okay, I'm, I'm going to read that one more time. Is prayer the steering wheel of your life or the spare tire? You know, sometimes, like, you hit things that, like, you come across things that just hit you so hard, and it's like, oh, wait a second, like, like, you didn't really mean that, did you? You didn't really mean that. But what, what, what does this mean? Do you really want prayer to be the only thing that you do and that you come to when you're stranded on the side of the road? 
Now, I'm sure all of y'all probably know of someone, because obviously it wouldn't be you personally, but, 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 but they have a, a spare tire relationship with God. That it's whenever things start to go real, 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 real bad, that's when they get real, real spiritual. <laughs> and it's like, God, God, I ran out of gas again. I knew I should have put oil in that car. God, I, I just need a miracle right now. God, I will stop talking behind that person's back. God, I will, I will stop using that word that I know I shouldn't be using. I, you know what? I will stop following that Instagram account that I, that I know I should have unfollowed a long time ago. But God, right now, I just need a miracle in my life. Now, here's the thing. God's not going to hold back his love from us. No, no, no. His love for us is full. But if we think that God's only desire for us is to have a spare tire relationship with him, we completely misunderstand who God is. That God actually has so much more in store for us. That he actually wants us to walk in the exceedingly and abundant. Now, don't get it twisted. This isn't this prosperity gospel here. But what it is, is understanding who our eternal father truly is. And so as we step into this, we got to understand that, that God's will isn't just always for us to be stranded on the side of the road. No, he has something great in store for us. And, you know, and it would be one thing, it'd be one thing if we just served this pitiful, lowercase g God who could barely tie his shoes. But the God that we serve, the God that we, that we come here today because of, that is the one true God, the great I am, the same God who could call down fire and destroy a city, the, the same God who could raise up a flood and, and flood the entire earth. No, I'm not talking about last Wednesday. Um, we, we, we had a little bit of flooding, but, you know, we're, we're all good. That's the same God that we serve that would call dry bones to life, who would speak to the tomb of Lazarus, come out, that even in the darkest situations that he is bringing revival. Do you all realize that, that one of the most largest, that, that's, that's a double negative, I guess, there if you say most largest, um, but if that, if that one of the largest revivals in modern day is happening in the nation of Iran, like Iran, like that is one of the most severely persecuted, one of the darkest places in the entire world, but yet, but yet what do we know? That the darkness does not prevail against God. That he's pushing back the veil of darkness. That God is in control. That the schemes of the enemy will not prosper. Come on. That's what it's about. That Jesus came to do one thing, and it was to plunder the gates of hell. That's why we come together on Tuesdays, and we pray. We pray. Now, if you've never been to May We Pray before, what you can expect is we'll do a time of prayer, a time of worship, and then we'll do a time of what we kind of call altar ministry. And, and this is just a chance where you can receive prayer as well. And, and let me just tell you, you don't have to be str stranded on the side of the road in order to receive prayer from a brother or sister in Christ. In fact, actually, it's when uh, things are going well for me that I realize that I need to put the make sure that the steering wheel is in God's hands and not my own. Because <laughs> I know if I'm in charge, whew, it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. And so, uh, you know, for me personally, I know that I have to create a space. I got to create a space to meet with God. And if I'm being 100% real with y'all, I get caught up in my own busyness. I, I go from work and then I go home and now I'm doing work at home. And, and then, you know, I'm trying to find time to, you know, be with my daughter and play with my daughter. And, and now I got to eat sometime, right? And then I got to, you know, someone has to sleep around here. And what will happen is I'll go the entire week and I'll never actually have taken the time to meet with the Father. 
And so I already know my tendency. I have to create a space. And so that's why we've set aside a Tuesday night um, to meet with the Father. But I think this begs the question of how do you know what meeting the Father really looks like? How do I know if I've met with the Father? 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 instructs us to examine yourself, to see whether you are in the faith. And and that's a bold statement. And and so for my my hope for you today is that if you don't take away anything else, that, that if everything just goes in one ear and right out the other, that you would remember this one thing, that we would take a moment to have a real honest, what I like to call a DTR with God. Now, now, for anyone who doesn't know what a DTR is, a, uh, back in the day, uh, we used to call a DTR a define the relationship moment. Yes, I know back in the day was not that long ago for me. Um, but you would be, you know, you'd be kind of talking to this girl, um, and, and you'd be kind of going along, and, and things are going good. You know, maybe you're Snapchatting a little bit. And if you're a real cliche, uh, cliche Christian couple, man, you would go to a coffee shop. And you hang out there for a little hour. You'd study up. You'd find out which drink to get. Oh, say, hey, girl, I- I'm going to buy you a drink, a nice latte. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and you're, taking, uh, you're taking big strides. But you'd reach a moment where you'd have to have that real hard conversation of is, is this going somewhere is this a thing or is this just a fling? Say, I know you want to slide in those DMs right now, but is this relationship going somewhere? And so my hope would be that we would have that same type of define the relationship moment with God. Because if we don't have that relationship moment where we actually are real with God and real in our heart, man, it's so easy to just go through the motions and, and be going through life on 70 miles an hour and blow right past where God is asking us to turn on. Off. So, where do we begin? How do you know if you've met the Father? Well, Romans 12, 2 describes it as, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Y'all say transformed. transformed. Transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, there's going to be a life transformation. Now, it doesn't mean that you quit your day job and you go become a traveling TV evangelist, but there is a moment where there's a little bit of a shift, that we were going this way and now we're going this way, that there's a course trajectory change. Now, for somebody here in this room, that may just look like, man, today you just get that clear download straight from heaven. It's that aha moment and everything just clicks. And we're feeling good. It's like we were going this way, and then boom, Damascus Road, 180 degrees the opposite way, and we are on fire for the Lord. But since we're in the month of May, and we're talking about stories, I figured I should probably be real with y'all about my story. And that's not really my story. My story felt a little bit more like, okay, there's a trajectory change that I've seen what God is calling me into. However, there's this pull. There's this pull to return back to my old ways, to return back to my old ways of complacency and mediocrity 
And really at times it feels like the captain of a ship trying to maintain the rudder on a trajectory for where he needs to keep the ship going. But the storms are pulling him from side to side and I'm feeling this pressure, I'm feeling this pull. And so it's like, God, I know that your word says to do this and calls me to live this way, but, but God, are you sure you really want me to give up that? Uh, I, mean, I mean, I was using it for your glory, right? Right, right? You, you can always tell when you're lying when your voice goes high like that. So for me personally, that's not really my story. My story sometimes looked a little bit like discipline. It, it even hurt a little bit. That there was a time where I was like, man, man, I don't know about this. But realizing that it was actually in the discipline that I found my identity. And, and I'm going to break that down here in just a second. And that's why I believe that meeting the Father looks like knowing your identity. I know discipline's not a real glamorous, real sexy word. Ain't no one ever said, man, you know what I'd love some more in my life of? Some more discipline. Man, said nobody ever. But in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, we're going to be camped out here for just a little bit. It says, it is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Now, let me just pause for a second. In this passage of scripture, there's going to be a lot of comparisons of father and son. But ladies, 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 don't check out. This still applies to mothers and daughters, um, which, by the way, speaking of mothers, next week is Mother's Day. Come on. Don't forget it. Put it in your calendar now, fellas. Uh, make sure you get your mama some flowers, uh, write her a card, tell her how much you love her, and we're, we're going to do a little celebration here at the house as well. That'll, that'll be fun. And so, um, But anyway, back, back to what I was talking about. So ladies, don't check out because uh, this, this applies to mothers and daughters as well. And I know, I know, we, uh, we're going to get through this. We're going to work it out together. All of us fellas are working through being the bride of Christ. Um, so we're going to make it through here today. Verse 8, but if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Now hold up. This says that if you are without discipline, then you are not a true son or daughter. Whoo! Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they, meaning earthly fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. I, I, I love that the author of Hebrews just throws this in there of like, hey, you, you did the best that you knew how to do. Uh, of as a parent, you didn't even know where to begin. That little Billy just walked in, and you were like so mad. You did What? You, I, you're getting a spanking, go to your room, I, I'm taking everything from you, you are grounded from everything, all you got is a bed to sleep on tonight. But hey, as a parent, you may have not known where to begin, but you discipline. Why? Because that was your responsibility as a, fa as a father or a mother. And so, uh, in, in verse 9, it says, um, furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us. And we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? I just said that. Um, so anyway, let, let, let me skip down. So, but he, uh, he meaning God, disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Yeah. See, as a parent, you did your best. You did your best. And as a, as a new parent myself, I'm stepping into this brand new thing. And one thing I can promise you of is there's going to be times where I probably say the wrong thing. And I'm going to be like, why did I do that? That was not what I wanted to do. 
But here's the deal. God in his perfect, in his perfection, disciplines us as well. See, for the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant, but painful. Someone give me an amen right there. Painful, painful. Yet to those who've been trained by it, afterward, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Okay, so there's a lot here, but let, let, let's break it down. This is not the sugar daddy gospel of gimme, 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 gimme. No, <laughs> this is a little bit deeper. This is going a little bit, a little bit stronger as well. So how many of y'all got whooped as a child? Okay, how many of y'all got whooped more than once? Okay, how many of y'all got whooped more times than you can even begin to count? Yes, that one, that third one was me. Um, I know, I know we'd all be there and, you know, my, my dad would tell me, now son, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I'm still trying to figure out the truth in that statement because there's some licks that I remember. Woo! And, and there was one time in... And actually, uh, unfortunately, this was kind of past uh, the age of spanking. So I, I say it actually gets worse because um, then you start losing stuff. Uh, and and I, uh, I'd made a rather poor decision. And um, I'm not going to deny that. We, we don't need to go into it today. But, um, but I'd made a rather poor decision. And so I had to make that dreaded phone call. Hey, Dad. Uh, officer so-and-so uh, wants to talk to you. Let me just tell you that that conversation did not go well for, for your man right here. Man, let me just tell you, that was the, uh, probably the longest and most boring spring break of my entire life as I did not leave my room for a very long time. But to make matters worse, I was on the track team. And you're like, why is that bad? You're on the track team. My dad was the track coach. And so I got it twice as bad, if not three or four times as bad. I think I ran more that week than I think I've ran in my entire life. But if there was one thing that my parents were going to make sure of, it was that there was going to be discipline in our household. Now, here's the funny thing. The very next weekend, my friends that I was with, who also made that equally poor decision, they were right back out, right back at it the very next weekend, ungrounded and unfazed. But my parents were like, nah, not you, not you. You're you staying right here. And, and here's the deal. I was actually, I'm actually thankful now for the discipline that my parents gave me because there's some lessons that I'm glad that I learned when I was 16 instead of today. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's easy to just, you know, go through life and be like, man, like I'm just going to take the easiest path. But sometimes, sometimes God actually wants to correct our course and that's not a bad thing. So why do we accept God's discipline? Because it produces. Now, what does it produce? It produces the fruit of righteousness. Now, y'all listen up. What is the fruit of righteousness? The fruit of righteousness is not me just, you know, putting on a good face, you know, take that Instagram selfie with the perfect filter. Look at my perfect family. Look how good my life is. You know, it's not just me trying to have, you know, more good days than I did bad days. No, that's called religion. What we're trying to actually do is we're trying to step into a relationship with the Father. And so we recognize that we actually have to be sanctified through Jesus Christ. That he's actually making us pure in his eyes. Now, the, just a side note, in the world, the world has completely misconstrued the word purity because we make purity all about what you've done and what you haven't done. But God said your righteousness is as filthy rags. So that means that only through Jesus Christ can we be made clean. 
but also there's a hope and a truth in that because he's actually purifying us as we draw closer to the Father. So what does this mean? In the discipline and the correction, we have two options, two options. One, we can pull back because it hurts. Maybe it's a little bit frustrating. I I mean, nobody ever says, man, that that was really embarrassing. You know what? I'm doing great right now. It hurts. It stings a little bit when our pride gets gets out of control, that we're on this line, and it's like, man, actually, actually, I was kind of out of line on that. No one ever wants to do that. So the second thing that we can do is we can draw near, and we can draw closer to God. That it's in those moments that if we draw near to God, that we understand that proximity produces. And it produces the fruit of righteousness, which we understand to be the sanctification through Jesus Christ. That we're actually able to walk into a relationship with him. And so it's in the midst of the discipline that you gotta recognize that God didn't place the discipline in your life to separate you. Instead, he put it in your life to refine you. See, God's not looking for customers who can just come in and get a get out free, get out jail free card. That's not his goal for us. He's looking for sons and daughters who know who they are in Jesus Christ. That's his goal. That's what he's calling us into. See, you can try to fix all these other things, but if you don't understand the role of discipline in our life, that discipline is actually the mark of a son and the mark of a daughter, then you're just gonna end up frustrated and discouraged. We have to know our identity. And this is why it all starts for us here at the house with meeting the Father. Yes, yes, we want to see people live free, accept forgiveness. Or, sorry, accept forgiveness, live free, fuel purpose. But, you know, let me just break this down real quick. Of You can't accept forgiveness from someone that you don't know. If somebody just walks in here randomly and says, hey, I I forgive you, man. I'm like, forgive me from what? I ain't wronged you. (laughs) What have I done? It is similarly that you, you may think that you can live free without meeting the Father. <laughs> yeah, you can, uh, you can live free from your job. You can live free from that uh, friendship, from that relationship, from that spouse. That you think, oh man, my life's all good. But go ahead, go ahead. Tell me how that works out for you. Yeah, you just told off your boss. Yeah, congrats. Well done. You stuck it to the man. But now you don't have a job. And now you got to go update your resume on LinkedIn. And so really what you've actually done is you've just started a cycle of of actually all because of repeating the same thing over and over again because we didn't listen to the voice in the discipline of the Father. That's going to be a sermon for another week. Don't worry about that one. We can preach that right now, but we're going to focus on why we can't fuel our purpose. And lastly, because if we try to fuel our purpose without God, there's no greater way to pour your life into something, to climb that mountain, to pour your blood, sweat, and tears into something only to reach the top and realize it was the wrong mountain. That God actually had something so much greater in store for you that God actually, not, even though it seemed insurmountable, God was going to equip you and fuel you and actually take you to the top. But yet we settled for this over here because we were unwilling to listen to the voice of the Father in our lives. There's no greater way to, to pour our life into something that's only going to fade away because we're unwilling to listen to the voice of the Father. See, I don't want to just have the t-shirt that says, been there, done that. No, I want to live the life of a father and a son. Yeah. Just a lifetime of stories together. Which is more beautiful? 
a, a rekindled relationship with a father and a son. A- after years of maybe not talking, of being out of relationship with, another, with one another, but after many years coming back together. Or secondly, a, a lifetime of, of, of a father and a son doing life together, hunting and fishing adventures, near disasters that were averted at the last minute, and all these just crazy, amazing stories. Which is more beautiful? They're both beautiful. And that's what's unique about a father relationship. There's no checklist of what it has to look like. It doesn't, there's no way that you have to actually prove of like, okay, I have to meet all this criteria. No. See, I have a sister who's 17 months younger than me, and in a lot of ways, we're very, very different. Uh, she lives up in Baltimore, and, and we could not be on more polar opposites um, of the spectrum. But, but both of us have an incredible and great relationship with our father. It doesn't, I mean, even though it looks very different, it is, they are both incredible, great relationships. That not one of us has a greater relationship with our father. Just because it looks different doesn't mean that it, it, it isn't equal. And, and here's the deal. God actually is writing a story in the same way with you and me. My life's going to look different, and the story that is being written between the father and me is going to look different even from the relationship of the father with my wife. But that's what's special about a father relationship. It doesn't have to be defined by anyone. And so I recognize I recognize with this being said that, you know, the, the state of our country and even probably the state of our room here today is that part of the reason that you may struggle with a relationship with your eternal father is because your earthly father may have wronged you. Now, I don't know your situation. I don't know what may have happened, that there may have been neglect. There may have been abuse. There may have been uh, your, your father walked out of your family. And I know that this is a sensitive topic, but we have to address the fact that just because we have imperfect fathers, that there is still a perfect father whose love for us is full, that we don't have to prove anything to him, that his love for us is already complete and he just wants to take on our pain, that we may have a pain from a wrong that our earthly father did to us, but he wants to take on that pain. He wants to say, just bring it to me, bring it to me. Cast your burdens, cast your weight on me. I want to take it because I care for you. Because you are my son, you are my daughter. This past week, I was actually uh, out of town for a little bit. And so I, uh, I would get photos or videos from my daughter. I'm not her personally sending them. That'd be cool. But, um, but, but uh, my mom would send, uh, send me videos and photos of her. And it would just be this little 18-second video. I, I tried to FaceTime her, but every time I'd FaceTime her, she'd cry. I'm like, ah, I can't do this. And, and so I'd get this little 18-second video, and, and I'd watch it. And it's just like something simple of her just like pushing something around the kitchen. It's not even that, that cool, but I'd watch it. And I'd watch it again, and I'd watch it like a third time. And then I'd grab the person next to me like, dude, like, look at this. Look, look at this. Look at her walking, like almost walking, okay? Um, you know, look at her. Look at that laugh. And, and the person next to me would be like, yeah, dude, that's, that's what uh, babies do. Um, <laughs> they, they try to walk and they, they, they laugh. You know, what, what's so special about that? I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, this is my daughter. Just yesterday, I feel like I was holding her in my arms and she could barely keep her head up. And now just look at her. Look at her. I'm so proud of her. That is just a glimpse of the love that the Father has for us. See, meeting the Father... 
Meeting the Father also looks like being rescued even when you don't deserve it. See, um, my wife and I, we, we were doing some mission work off the coast of Thailand um, with an indigenous people group there on an island. And uh, th- this, this island was absolutely incredible and um, amazing. Um, and the reason why was it, it was actually built on, literally on the ocean. And so the only time that you could actually get to the island and off the island was at a certain time when the tides would be perfect. And so the time had come for us to um, head back to the mainland. And so uh, there was actually a storm that had come in. There was some thunderstorms that had come in. And so we tried to go out, but we had to end up turning back around. The waves are too strong, and the um, the storm was just too much. And so we turned back around. But uh, then after 30 minutes, we kind of realized, it was like, man, this is going to be our only time to make it back to the mainland. And so we decided, okay, okay, we we, got to go for it. Uh, Well, uh, us Americans, we love our, we love our heavy luggage. Um, and, um, and so uh, our, our, we, we pack all our heavy luggage on there, and the captain actually asks us, hey, hey, Courtney, can, can you guys actually sit on the back of the boat? We need to redistribute the weight of the boat. Red flag number one, if the captain of the vessel ever asks you to redistribute the weight of the boat, um, that's usually not a good sign of what is yet to come. Well, uh, let me just paint the picture for you. It's actually kind of this beautiful, romantic setting. I'm sitting on the back of the boat. I got my fiance at the time sitting right next to me, and I look over at her, and Courtney looks back at me, and she, she says, do you think Sawat is nervous at all? Because this is just the most amazing, like, romantic setting ever. Now, Sawat is our captain. And no sooner does she say this, I kid you not, I, I look back at Sawat, and I look back at Sawat, and Sawat is frantically running back and forth to each side of the boat, just going back and forth and back and forth. And at that very moment, he chucks his captain's chair over the side of the boat because it's getting in his way. And I'm like, wait a second, what is going on? And that's when I look, and the back of the boat is completely filled with water. So I do what any, you know, Tom Cruise wannabe, you know. <laughs> Want to, you know, impress my fiance, I grab the nearest, you know, plastic pail and I start scooping water out of the back of the boat. And I'm scooping and I'm scooping. But the waves are getting bigger and bigger and there's more water coming in the boat and I'm scooping faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And I'm recognizing that I'm not making any impact here. And so that's when I realized the water pump that is designed to pump the water out of the back of the boat has come disconnected from the battery. Red flag number two. If there is a water pump designed, because we already know that the boat leaks, that's usually not a good sign. Well, once again, channeling my inner Tom Cruise, you know, I look at there and I see the back, I see the wires, so, so I put it on the battery, and okay, and it starts pumping. But then the next wave hits the boat, and the, and the wires come detached. Okay, so, so then I realize, no. I got to hold them to the battery. And so I hold the wires to the battery and the water starts pumping and it seems like it's working great until the next wave comes crashing over and lands on my hand. And, and so my fingers got real crispy right there just for a moment. I, I know someone in here was hoping that I was going to say I got electrocuted and shot off the back of the boat. Not what happened. Not what happened. But despite my heroic attempts to save the boat. We were taking on a lot of water and the water pump was not doing enough because with each wave, now we're actually dipping down into the ocean and water is pouring over the side of the boat. And, and now it's even at the point where we're, where we're leaning to the opposite side of the boat, just trying to keep the boat from capsizing there in the ocean. 
And, and so it's at this moment that um, we recognize that the, the nearest islands are probably about a mile away. It's an island of mangroves. And so we just like abort our course and we just start making a beeline trying to make it to this island of mangroves. And, and so that's, that's exactly what we do. And somehow by the grace of God, we, we crash into this island of mangroves, completely destroying the front of the boat. Um, and, and so here we are. Here we are. We're sitting in this, on these tree branches in about four feet of water. And, and, and it was at this moment that I really regretted watching all those late night uh, episodes of Shark Week. Um, <laughs> Of just picturing, okay, trying not to be, you know, this, this, you know, this great story of the, the global mission workers who were doing good for the Lord and, until they were attacked by sharks or eaten by, you know, like bit by a poisonous snake. But somehow uh, our captain, Sawat, is able to make a phone call. Now, to this day, I have no idea how he had cell phone service um, or what kind of satellite phone he had. But somehow he was ma- able to make a call for help. And just a little while later... I'm standing waist deep in the water, and I'm waving this kind of makeshift flag of a tree branch in the air, (laughs) signaling to the rescue boats of coming to pick us up. And let me just tell you, there is no greater scene in the entire world when you are stranded on an island and there are rescue boats coming to save you. I mean, at least Castaway had like a nice beach, you know, that he could chill on. At least he had Wilson. Like we're sitting on thorny tree branches here. Like this is not enjoyable. This is not what I pictured when I thought, oh, I want to be on an island by myself. No, not exactly what I had in mind. But here's the deal. See, God actually... As I thought about this, this doesn't even begin to compare to the way that God rescues us. Of when we don't deserve it, that God rescues us. And and the worship team can go ahead and come on up. And it's in this moment that I recognize that it doesn't matter the storms that we may be going through. It doesn't matter the island that we may feel like we're stranded on. That God will stop at nothing. The father will stop at nothing when his son or his daughter makes that call. I love the story of the prodigal son, but I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times we we put too much focus on the son rationalizing of thinking, you know, surely I would be better off as a servant in my father's household. And we miss the reaction of the father as he runs out to embrace his son. That same son who was was jacked up who was wiling out with his friends, who was making a fool of his father's name, who was wasting his father's money. But yet, what does the father do? The father runs out and embraces him as his son. And even more, he prepares a spot at the table for him. See, when Jesus went to the cross and he said, it is finished, that wasn't dependent on what we're doing. That wasn't dependent on us. It wasn't like, okay, I'll do my part and God will do his. You know, I'll hold up my side of the bargain and God will hold up his side of the bargain. No, none of that. When he said it is finished, that means that forever, right there on the cross, it was finished. Would you guys stand with me as we close out here today? See, all we have to do is confess. Confess that we can't do it on our own that we actually need, we need God, that we need him. You guys can go ahead and bring the lights down just a little bit. And so maybe today, maybe it's time to make that call to the Father. Maybe it's been too long and 
And even though you're not looking forward to it, it's time to make that call to the Father. That he won't hold back his love from us. That it doesn't matter the storms that you're going through. No matter where you feel like you've been isolated. That God wants to reach out to you here in this moment. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear how this message impacted you. Feel free to let us know on the Contact Us tab of the house website. We hope you have a great week.